Awake, O Israel, on this episode of Pushback. Concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and I am tackling a topic this week uh, because it is obviously on the forefront of the news. I apologize for this podcast being one day late. Uh, the reason is, is because we've been out ministering uh, quite a bit this week, actually. Um, this is my first chance to sit down behind a microphone and share my heart, and I'm tackling a big topic of the Israel-Hamas war that has broken out this week. Obviously, I can't ignore that topic. Um, the struggle is is it's complicated, <laughs> Um, and as you dig in, you really see the complication of it all. Obviously, our prayers are with um, the Israelis, and you know we stand with Israel, of course. Um, and just the, the the tragic nature of what is happening there. I want to, with my podcast, do the very best that I can to try to simplify this conflict and explain to you really what's going on, and maybe even some of the history that got us here. Um, you know, I've always been told and taught that when you when you do a presentation, that you that you never do a disclaimer at the beginning because it you lose your audience and you and people realize that you aren't an expert and it's usually our our own insecurity when we say things like, "Hey, I'm not a, a historian." <laughs> And we say things like that, or, you know, I'm not a theologian, and you start that, and everybody then just sort of tunes you out because they figure you aren't an authority. Um, so I'm going to try not to do that specifically, um, but I'm not a historian. <laughs> This is complicated, and the more I dig into it, which I really want to do and I have done this week for this podcast, done a lot of reading, uh, it makes your head spin, honestly, and so I'm going to do the best I can to try to lay this out in layman's terms, um, the conflict in the Middle East that's happening with Israel and Hamas specifically, uh, and do the best I can to frame this for you. Um so that is just a little bit of my disclaimer. I'm going to do my best. Um, and if you are a historian uh, and you do understand this conflict, please don't roll your eyes at me. I'm going to do the best I can. Um, this is obviously so concerning. And and I'm always amazed at the hotbed of, of pain and strife and conflict in this such small geographical area in the Middle East. Ever since I was a kid, we talked about peace in the Middle East. Um, we used to say things like that. I'm 53 years old. I mean, this is this has been going on forever and long before my lifetime, all the way back to just after the Garden of Eden, of course. And 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 so this area has been um, such a such a, a crossroads of conflict, and maybe maybe rightfully so because it is so important, and I believe important to the Father's heart as we learn about Israel and Jerusalem and, and, and just not only the historic significance of what they carry, but I believe that there is some eternal significance and certainly some spiritual significance, all of which I can't cover in a 20, 25-minute podcast. 
But I wanted to explain, because this is such a headline this week, a little bit of what's going on. I entitled this Awake, O Israel. And Isaiah 52.1 says, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For there shall no, no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. It's a, it's a precious place, certainly in the eyes of the Lord. And, uh, and it was certainly the heart of Jesus as he wept over Jerusalem before he entered. Um, it's, a, it's a holy city, for sure, and a holy nation. And uh, we need to be praying and standing with Israel during this time. Uh, as we know, uh, on Tuesday, uh, uh, and I'm sorry, on uh, early uh, this week, Saturday, um, the uh, Hamas... A group uh, waged war on Israel, firing thousands of rockets uh, into Israel. I was very curious what the United States response was going to be in with this administration. On Tuesday, October 10th, which is what I was going to read, President Biden delivered remarks on the terrorist attack in Israel, and he reasserted that the United States will, quote, stand with Israel, and added that it is imperative for democracies like the U.S. and Israel to uphold the laws of war. Biden warned other governments from taking advantage of the situation by saying, I have one word, don't. He also remarked that he has directed the Department of Homeland Security to partner with local police departments to step up security and deter the threat of hate and domestic terror against Jews in the United States. So I appreciate that statement, and and the administration has taken a hard line um, uh, against this uh, military action by Hamas. Um, interestingly, the aggression by Hamas uh, fell 50 years since the Yom Kippur War, um, which probably isn't by accident, and the timing was uh, significant. Uh, there is, as you dig into just the region of Israel, um, just to frame this for you, uh, the whole area has often been referred to as Palestine. Um, however, um, uh, Israel obviously um, became a nation in 1967 and, and, and has been recognized by the world as a sovereign nation referred to as Israel. In the country of Israel, there are these regional territories that have remained what they call Palestinian territories. It's all very confusing, and, and, and I honestly can't even believe uh, sort of how this actually works. Um, but there's different entities within Israel, and they are disputed, obviously, between the Palestinians and the Israelis. These two regions are called the West Bank, which is on the west bank of the Jordan River, and the Gaza Strip. They're both very small. The West Bank is about the size of the state of Delaware. The Gaza Strip is 25 miles long and only a couple miles wide, maybe three or four miles wide at the most. And so it's this little strip of land where um, several million Palestinians live. And I tried to find out, like, does Israel own that land? Is that part of Israel? And the answer is, is it's very, very uncertain. It's a territory that's there. And, and through the United Nations to try to broker peace, the uh, Palestinians were given authority over these regions within Israel, and they were administered by what was called the Palestinian Authority. 
So they would have sort of their own separate territory, their own governance, but it would still be under Israeli occupation, kind of. And so here's the crazy part, speaking specifically about Gaza. So this Palestinian authority um, was given authority in that area to, to rule. The funding that came from the United Nations, unfortunately, went into the pocketbooks of this newfounded government. And, and what I've read is that they built big houses and fancy cars and, and, they, and they took advantage of their situation and did nothing to really help support the people in this Palestinian area. And so this new Palestinian authority really dropped the ball and the people were like, really, this is the best plan? And, and interestingly, it was in the wake of that around 2007 that Hamas, a militant, radical Islamic group, moved in. And obviously through funding through various channels, which I would never have time to cover in this podcast, um, but Iran being one of them, uh, was flush with cash. They move in and they build schools and community centers and start sewing into the people in the Gaza area, at which point garnered, garnered support and and when they were given authority to govern themselves, guess what? Hamas moved in and took the reins of governance in that area. <laughs> A militant group. This is the danger sometimes of democracy where you're trying to establish democratic areas. You have to then, um, quote unquote, accept the result of the democracy. And Hamas took great advantage of that and moved in. Now, the charter of Hamas, um, I believe that the word Hamas actually means violence. The charter is to wipe out Israel. <laughs> that's their charter. That's, that's the motto. That's the flag that they wave is to drive Israel into the sea. And so there is conflict broiling in this area um, internally and externally. So the Palestinian National Authority is a semi-semi-autonomous state. I don't know how that works. Therefore, it's commonplace to refer to the West Bank and the Gaza Strip collectively as Palestine, although the accepted terminology used by the United Nations remains the occupied Palestine. I don't get it. I don't completely understand that. All I know is that it seems like that would be ripe for conflict. Like, try to find peace in that environment. I'm not sure how you can do it. In response to Hamas taking over Gaza, is Israel then put up a border, um, which only has a few checkpoints to go into Israel. So several hundreds of thousands of Palestinians move into Israel to work every day. They have to go through this checkpoint with barbed wire. And, of course, that didn't go over well with the Palestinians who now feel like they are caged in. The southern border from Egypt is also uh, walled off uh, and um, patrolled as well. So it's a hotbed of conflict. Um, they have sworn destruction of Israel and to replace it with an Islamic state. That's their point. And so this area of several million people uh, ruled by a militant 
Islamic radical group decided to fire missiles into Israel. And this has been going on all week with, of course, a strong uh, Israeli militant response. So this perhaps isn't necessarily surprising, considering everything that's brewing here. The subplot of all of this, unfortunately, has been a savagery connected with this. This militant group, um, akin to ISIS, uh, is moving, has moved in, has taken hostages. It has involved rapes and beheadings and slaughters and killing children and all of these things that happen um, that seem to be even outside of a usual militaristic conflict, which has raised the eyebrows of the world in just the discussion of, of the conflict and the righteousness connected to it and, and perhaps the quote-unquote appropriateness of military response. It raises a question, and, and oftentimes really where, where I like to head with this podcast isn't so much breaking down the geopolitical environment and, and, and temperature that's there, but to talk about the cultural implications of this. Now, there's, there's greater than cultural implications. There's spiritual implications because um, also the east portion of Jerusalem is involved and also considered sort of an occupied territory as well. And so this hits home to us as evangelical Christians, so to speak, um, the ones who connect to Israel and the homeland of our Savior and the historical significance of this, this biblical area that's so important to us. It's interesting because I like to look into that, that cultural piece and, and look at the sort of quote-unquote Christian response to this. And I'm telling you that it's widespread. I, I believe in my heart that to be Christian and to follow the teachings of Jesus, that we are pacifists by nature. Um, however, there are these moments of righteousness, this the moments of clarity, these moments of governance that also needs to take place here on this earth. And so the response has been interesting from it's time to wipe Hamas off the face of the earth to we need to broker peace at all costs and eliminate violence. <laughs> And so I look at that and I scratch my head and and see and I'm not uh, the punchline of this podcast isn't for me necessarily to take a position on that but for us to understand that our battle is never flesh and blood as hard as it is to see the images on the on the news and see that there is bloodshed from mankind to mankind and abhorrent behavior that's taking place there we still have to be able to separate ourselves and understand that this is a spiritual oppression and this is a response to a people disconnected from a loving father. It always comes back to identity and, and, and this, the place of pain and sorrow that takes place in a people when we are disconnected from the kingdom of heaven. And so should we expect to see this? Well, Jesus even said, 
that you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Matthew 24, 6. This is a, this is a world, a fallen world, interacting uh, with each other in pain and sorrow and hurt. And the result of that is war. See, enmity came into this world in Genesis chapter 3. It says that I will place enmity between you and their offspring. That's talking to Satan, between Satan and us and our offspring. There will be pain and there will be sorrow and it will be the result of sin. And so we should expect to see that. However, we also know that in Galatians 4, it says when the fullness of time came, he sent his son to once again restore us into our sonship and our daughtership. That's what he came. He came to bring restoration to the world. And I believe I bring that up so that we have a target for prayer. The prayer is restoration. I'm not sure it's just peace at all costs. I'm not sure it's wiping evil off the planet. Both of those have have their value in certain situations. But I believe the target of prayer is restoration. It's the restoration of the hearts. It's the restoration of Israel. It's the restoration of the Palestinians. Uh, because it's, the, it's, the, it's when hearts change do we actually obtain real righteousness. It says about Israel, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So we know that to be true. Israel is a special place. And what was birthed through Israel was the, was the son, the answer, also talked about in Genesis chapter 3, the capital S seed, who actually overcame enmity. Enmity was nailed onto the cross and killed forever. <laughs> and so it's belief in him and belief in his name and belief in his blood and, 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 and what he shed for us, belief in his resurrection that changes the world. So as Christians, I believe we can sit in this seat for a call to the end of violence. And I believe that there is such thing as righteous anger, anger aligned with the heart of the Father. Righteousness, by definition, Webster, is the quality of being morally right or justifiable. And that's where things get tricky. Is Israel justified to respond with violence? Most of us would probably nod our head and say, yes, I think it's justifiable in this situation, but it's not the Lord's best. See, this is the clash that happens when we talk about the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven operates differently. It sees things differently. And we want it to be on earth as it is in heaven, (laughs) Isn't that the prayer on earth as it is in heaven? And we are responsible to steward that here on this earth. You heard me say it many, many times. Righteousness from a spiritual standpoint is the quality of being right in the eyes of God. 
including character, conscience, conduct, and command. He is the ultimate lawgiver, and we are ambassadors of his law and his ways here on this earth. So the Bible does not approve of war for every cause, and it encourages peace with all persons, but also indicates that peace and justice sometimes is required through war. John Hancock, one of the first founders, uh, first uh, he was a founding father of our country and one of the first signers of the Declaration of Independence, wrote, Resistance to tyranny becomes the Christian and social duty of each individual. Continue steadfast and with a proper sense of your dependence on God. Nobly defend those rights which heaven gave and no man ought to take from us. Now, anything John Hancock says is in scripture, but you can see the clash that he is talking about between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of this world is filled with tyranny, and it's the Christian duty to actually resist and stand up and draw a line and say, no, tyranny is not an acceptable culture here on this earth. However, he says that then we, op- we operate and we sit in that seat of dependence on God and his laws and his ways and defend those rights which heaven gave. It's a heavenly mandate that he gives us, and we defend those. The Middle East is a confusing, complicated um, center of pain, I might even say dysfunction, and certainly war and conflict, without a doubt. But what we need to pray for is heavenly righteousness, the move of heaven in the region. There are There is a kingdom of this world with kingdom leaders such as Joe Biden, who I quoted, and Benjamin Netanyahu, and these people who are going to have to make real life worldly decisions that affect people's lives, their livelihoods, their futures, and their their life itself. And we need to pray that they would operate in a supernatural wisdom, a wisdom connected to heaven so that heavenly righteousness is the goal. We can, we can stand with Israel for what it represents, and we can stand with Israel for the righteousness of God, for the, for the place of beauty in which it was created, and the center of world history in what he provided for us throughout the Bible and our times today. Many politicians and and people who are studying this conflict over this week has said that Israel um, got sleepy. (laughs) Israel has one of the best um, intelligence agencies on the planet, and yet somehow Hamas was able to release a very coordinated and effective attack on Israel. That's why I titled this message, Awake, O Israel. We can pray for an alertness and a readiness and a supernatural ability to see before it even happens so that there can be peace and there can be real peace. The Bible says, peace not as the world gives. (laughs) The world defines peace. 
but a heavenly peace. When heaven invades earth, when it is on earth as it is in heaven. His peace, wrapped up in righteousness, isn't that our prayer? So Father, right now I pray for Israel. We stand with Israel. And Lord, I do, I pray for wisdom, for your guidance, and for a supernatural ability to see truth, see reality, and supernatural strategy to end this conflict. I I do, I call for an end to violence, and I call for righteousness, your righteousness. And Lord, I do, we do speak to Jerusalem and to the country of Israel and the importance of the Jewish people in your eyes. And we call it blessed. We call it blessed because you will bless those who bless you. And so I bless them, Lord God. And Lord, I do pray that America will stand with Israel and, and bring an end, a real end to this conflict and a stabilization, not only a stabilization, but a righteousness in the region, Lord. And so we just agree together as your people on this podcast and we say amen. Thank you for listening. Hopefully I didn't savage that too bad, but I want to just give you a little bit of a picture and a direction and maybe a target for prayer. Uh, during this conflict. And I will continue to keep my eyes on what is happening and, and keep you informed the best I can. Love you all so much. Thank you for listening. Please go to pushbackculture.org. Leave your comments, questions, insights. If you need to educate me uh, more on kind of what's happening in your insights, I would love to hear from you and, and share those on the air as well. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your heart. So let's go together now to set and shape the culture.